0: Being an enlightened being in traditional society is actually more difficult than being an enlightened being up in the mountains living in a cave by yourself.
1: When I started adopting this perspective of the power of destruction in the creative process, and again, as you articulated, it's just these are just two different parts of a timeline,
2: suddenly. I am incredibly empowered. Also, these volatile times end up becoming a blessing because they are acting as a kind of opportunity for me to always be on point, to be in my center, to be quiet, to be observant, to be aware of what's going on inside of me so that I can... Um, be as resourceful as possible.
3: It's almost like I was in a prison of my own self and then I have been able to free myself from that in terms of Um, I could only see it like through a little peephole, if that makes any sense whatsoever. I could only see my life through this little small perspective. And once my mind started to go quiet, I was able to see the larger picture and be like, oh, okay, there's options here for me.
0: Hey, hey, what is up, spiritual hooligans? This is Matthew Ferry, best-selling author of Quiet Mind, Epic Life, creator of the rapid enlightenment process, leader of the wonderful, the fabulous Ignite Mastermind Group. Glad you're here with us today. Glad you're here with me. Glad you're a part of our lives. Uh, thanks for being a part of our journey together. We're stoked to be a part of your journey. Uh, you've tuned in to another Spiritual Hooligan Living webinar, and this is a live monthly webinar series that we do, and, and typically what happens is um, I, I share and other high conscious go-getters share the systematic way to remove the limiting dogma and the cultural beliefs that, uh, that cause you to be diminished in your authenticity and not really live the full expression of your life. And for us um, in the Ignite Mastermind group, we're really in the process of designing an authentic version of our own epic life. And we're stoked that you're joining us in that process. So you can count on me to help you to take the blinders off and to help you to see the glass ceiling hold you back, holding you back from living uh, a, a life of profound happiness and peace. And you know me, that's that's something that I just call enlightenment. That's my jam, uh, quiet mind, epic life, uh, living a life of enlightened prosperity. And I, I think you're probably in on that because you're here. So Spiritual Hooligan Living webinar series. This is one of the ways that, that Kristen and I like to give back to our broader community of spiritual hooligans uh and and see if we can't make a difference in and be supportive of the people out there in the world who are on this journey with us if you've never participated before this is where i share my paradigm shifting ideas life transforming processes we practice on a weekly basis in the ignite mastermind group now at the beginning of every ignite mastermind session we read our objectives so i thought i would read it to you so you kind of get the sense of like what are we doing on a regular basis? And so here's the objective the objective of the Ignite Mastermind group is to raise our level of consciousness, develop the skills to live with a quiet mind, and create quantum leaps in the most important areas of our lives. Now, in our group, we just started another 120 day sequence. We, and we do three of those every year, obviously 120 days. Uh, so we do three of those today. And we're doing this time around, we're doing 120 day prosperity through perception challenge. And so I wanted to invite you to be a part of us, be a part uh, uh, of that journey with us and share how to relate to the world in a way that gives you power. So in a moment, you're going to hear firsthand how some of our other high conscious go-getters experience the volatility, the unpredictability, the, the chaos of the world. And they use that as a powerful catalyst to rapidly create happiness and success. So it's like most people experience volatility, unpredictability, and chaos, and they experience a negative result. But utilizing um, perceptual shifts, you can actually experience positive results. So you want to. Also, learn the aspects of survival consciousness that diminish personal power. We're going to talk about that. And then what do you do about it? And then we're going to round this thing up with enlightened perspectives. And and enlightened perspectives uh, are really powerful ways to increase your courage and create some quantum leaps. So let's jump in. As always, my wife, my muse the creative genius sort of behind all of our products and our processes here at Matthew Ferry International. She's on the Zoom with us today. She's the CEO of our little company. In fact, she's so amazing, she has four names. Kristen Marie Sherline ferry Kristen, will you say hello to everybody, please?
1: Hi, everyone, welcome, thanks for being here.
0: We also have two Mastermind members on the panel today. Uh, We're gonna start off with Amber Hom. Now, Amber Hom is not your average mom. See, got a little rhyme in there. Yes, she is an awesome mom, uh, but being a mom hasn't stopped her from being a powerhouse entrepreneur. She co-founded Red Lime Real Estate in the San Francisco area. She is a real estate investor uh, and then on the side, her and her husband do these, you know, various businesses like they, they I don't know if she's still doing the baseball bat business, but uh, they had this revolutionary practice baseball bat to help you develop your swing. Uh, her husband uh, uh, was recently uh, doing an almond business. They, I mean, these are serial entrepreneurs here. So, Amber, welcome to the call. Uh,
3: thank you, guys. So happy to be here with you this afternoon.
0: Woohoo. And then we have Eric Thompson. Eric Thompson is our resident mad genius in the group. I don't know if he likes to be called that or not. I don't really care. Uh, He founded a company called Subtle Energy Sciences, which sells energy products that are based on his proprietary quantum energy process, mind-blowing stuff. I use his products every single day. I was, in fact, listening to a product that he made this morning for about two straight hours. He's an entrepreneur. He's an inventor and he's dedicated to living a life filled with
2: enlightened prosperity. Eric, welcome. Hey, it's great to be here. Uh, welcome, everybody, and uh, thanks for having me.
0: See, let's see what we can do to be supportive, inspiring, and uplifting for everybody. We'll start off with Eric. So, um, Eric, you're a CEO, you're an inventor, you're a trailblazer, you're wearing a lot of hats. Uh, and like all of us, you experience incredible volatility, unpredictability, and chaos. And then on top of that, um, if we're just being honest, you get a lot of flack from critics because the stuff that you do is so on the leading edge uh, and so controversial. And those breakdowns and setbacks have the capacity to create anxiety and stress, which oftentimes causes us to make bad decisions or you know maybe we're, we're reacting rather than choosing. Sometimes it shuts you down altogether. But can you talk about in your own world, how your quiet mind becomes a powerful catalyst for rapidly creating happiness and success in the volatility, the unpredictability, the chaos? Let us in a little bit. We'd like to hear.
2: Well, well, first of all, I'd like to uh, preface this with saying that, you know, uh, um, generally speaking, uh, I'm more of a kind of a creative type of person, which means I kind of can be very sensitive on the feeling side. So when chaos happens in the world or in my environment, um, if, if I'm ever not, not perfectly centered, I can really feel what's going on around me at a deep level, I and mean, it feels very disturbing. Um, uh, you know, Sometimes uh, having that sense of being very sensitive is a blessing and a curse. And so in these volatile times, it's not as though I don't feel the chaos going around me. Um, but the, the, the gift, the blessing, is to, is to have a means of being able to um, access that quiet mind. And, and I was talking earlier with you when we were talking about how it acts as a kind of a pattern interrupt. So essentially, um, in simple terms, When chaos erupts around me and there's a part of me that entrains to that chaos. So I start to get emotional. My mind gets busy. Um, Being able to to step back metaphorically, having a a meta space within yourself to where you can step back from that and uh, release any attachment to the chaos going around, going on around you. And essentially, puts me in a place of being able to really operate at my highest. Because once everything goes quiet, now I'm able to choose what I want to pay attention to. Uh, What's interesting is also is these volatile times end up becoming a blessing because they are acting as a kind of opportunity for me to always be on point, to be in my center to be quiet, to be observant, to be aware of what's going on inside of me so that I can um, uh, be as resourceful as possible. So the quiet mind allows me to, it's kind of like a pattern interrupt. It interrupts all of that noise going on around me, gets me back to center. And then I can say, okay, uh, I have more of an intuitive sense of what is the next step? How do I plan out? You know if I'm going to, if there's some crazy chaos going on over here, maybe I will plan a worst case scenario. That way I can put my mind at rest. It's already worked out the worst things that could possibly happen. And I've put that to rest so that I can just stay in this quiet zone. And what I find is then I'm able to see how all this chaos around me is actually um, unfolding opportunities for my growth. Um, And it's kind of like, riding waves, you know, instead of being um, pushed and pulled and, and uh, uh, thrown around by those waves, I'm, I'm learning to ride them and thrive on them.
0: Incredible. And, and Eric, what I really appreciated about what you said, and I want to punctuate is that the volatility, the unpredictability, the chaos that is in the world is actually an opportunity to invoke focus for you and and I feel the same way and I think that that one of the things that 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 I often get pushed back on for the methodology that I've created is that it's so focused on the bullshit and the hostility and the negativity and it, it isn't. Um, it isn't like other methodologies where it's like, and now we're just gonna, everybody. It's all good, and we're just gonna be in a loving state, and we're just gonna be kind. And it's like bullshit. You're saying that, but inside you're like a, you know, a, a sewer of negativity. And what I found is is that being as negative as possible is the way to positivity. Like you just go through it rather than avoid it, and, and, you know, you just really reminded me of how important that is. Let's go over to Amber here. You know, you and Ian are entrepreneurs, your creatives, uh, your parents, you're trying to raise your kids and get them out of the house. Uh, like all of us, life keeps throwing curveballs at you big time. Can you talk about, for you, how your quiet mind becomes a powerful catalyst for rapidly creating happiness and success inside of the volatility, the unpredictability, and the chaos of the world?
3: Well, that's an easy question to answer, right, in uh, four minutes. (laughs) Answer all the questions of the world in four minutes. Ian and I have been, this is our second year in the Mastermind. This is going on our second year, and this last year has been one of the the most um, exciting journeys of my entire life. I will tell you that in month three, I would say it was not the most exciting journey because again, I was learning how to have a quiet mind during that time. That was like the, I was like, Oh, I'm in the shit. I was, you know, I, there was chaos going on and I hadn't learned the skills quite yet to be able to go see it from a different perspective. So it's been really, really fun. I can say that now, like it, amazing. Um, The quiet mind perspective is, allows me to have more clarity in everything that's happening in my life. Um, I can see it from a different angle now. Like it, it has been, it's almost like I was in a prison of my own self. And then I have been able to free myself from that in terms of um, I could only see it like through a little people, if that makes any sense whatsoever. I could only see my life through this little small perspective. And once my mind started to go quiet, I was able to see the larger picture and be like, oh, okay, there's options here for me versus being like, hey, my hair's on fire. Like my kids aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're, You know, uh, these deals are going sideways. It's not going the way I want to. And the perspective that I've come away with this last year with the mastermind is, it's all good. Like whatever way it's going, it is all good. And that's been super fun and life mm. for my family, just like for, you know. Well,
0: will you clarify though? Because uh, when the average person hears it's all good, uh, they relate to it from uh, what I'm going to call like a spiritual derelict kind of fashion. And that is, it's all good, therefore I'm ignoring it. Uh, and I don't think that that's what you're implying. I not at all. Yeah, not so, at all.
3: Not yeah. So talk, talk about that. Yeah. And that, that's a really good point because again, when you say all is all, it's all good. It's not all good. I have this shit going on over here. Um, and, and again, if you have it having a quiet mind and having this different perspective, I'm able to see like, it might not seem like it's all good, but there's something else behind that. That's going to be good. And again, I can't see it just at this moment, or maybe I'm starting to be able to see it. But I know like intrinsically in myself and my quiet mind that it is going to be all good. A, it may not feel good right at this moment, but again, facing that and being able to go through it. And then you're like, okay, it is going to be all good.
0: And that's so powerful to, to be able to face the unworkability in your life and the truth is we all have unworkability every one of us mm-hmm. has uh, you know the the world is trillions and trillions of inputs and and outputs happening at the exact same time and the idea that you're in control is uh real flimsy really flimsy that you're in control of anything and to be able to surrender and, and be able to, du- so let's call it, direct the flow, right? So it's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm swimming in a river of crap right now that's really smelly and I can resist and freak out or I can get out my paddle and I can start to find the way to the edge of the, of the river. And, and what I find is that the quiet mind state actually is the resourceful creative state and i want to go over to kristen and i want to talk about spiritual mastery you're working on your spiritual mastery on a daily basis sort of whether you want to or not uh predominantly because of the guy you're married to um and you know like i am i'm psychotic about it like uh, the level of obsession that i have about it is is I i can't explain it um, but apparently that really works for you because we are married and you and you signed up. Uh, you know, you, you wear so many hats. CEO, visionary in our business. You're the chief investment officer in our world. Um, you're the financial advocate for our children, your parents, our clients. Um, you're the chief plate spinner in our personal lives and we got a lot of plates going. And most people on the path to enlightenment, they believe that once your mind goes quiet, suddenly everything is great all the time. It, nothing ever goes wrong now because you're enlightened. That once you achieve enlightenment, then you never experience negativity again. And, and Kristen, I'm hoping that you can bust this myth and talk about which aspects of survival consciousness still diminish your personal power, even though 95% of the time your mind is completely quiet and still and you are at peace, there are still those moments that you just get derailed and disturbed. So what are those survival consciousness aspects? And then what do you do to transcend those things and get back to your enlightened state? You're muted. She's like, oh, I was, I was trying to be appropriate wow. for the rest of the call.
1: <laughs> it's a great, great question. The things that first come to mind are kids, my relationship to time, and my assessment about whether or not things are going the way they should be going. <laughs> Those are the things that take me out.
0: Same one more time. So I, I want to just really take yeah. it in. Kids. As your, as your man.
1: <laughs> so Kids. Mm -hmm. my relationship to time, and my perspective about how things are going.
0: Mm. And so can you talk about what you do in your own personal process to transcend those survival states and get yourself back into an enlightened framework again?
1: Well, it's really interesting because I think what underpins the three paradigms of my life that I just uh, described is really positionality and uh, an invented perspective about what should be happening. So let's just take kids, for example. Kids are interesting because I'm a, I'm a bonus mom, so I didn't have any of my own kids. And yet what comes with being a mom a bonus mom is the complexities of parenthood um, without being technically a parent. And it's an, it's an interesting uh, role that I've taken on. Um, what you and I talk about a lot, Matthew, is that raising children is inherently, a survival-based process at its core, right? At its absolute core. For high-minded people, we don't have, I don't relate to like, oh my God, the child's gonna die. I'm gonna kill the child. You know, like the the child is not in danger in my world. And I can appreciate that there's certain times in the parenting process where, you know, that, that can absolutely be the truth. But day in and day out, I don't worry about like the children staying alive. What I face is, are they gonna be good citizens? Are they financially responsible? Do They know how to use their manners. And, and what happens for me is that from time to time, I start, I start getting really um like overly, I, I put too, so much weight on those things. Like, you're not gonna be okay if you don't have these skills. And like I <laughs> get really significant about it. And so what happens is if I'm not mindful that those are my preferences. Then I go down the rabbit trail of I know best and I'm in charge and I'm older than you and I know more and I'm further down. And like I should say, I should have the say about how you handle yourself in this situation. And so it's a, it's a balance because as a high minded person who really is taking on her own spirituality, there's the practicality of being a, uh, an effective parent and raising in my world. It's important to be a, a good citizen and financially independent and all those things. But if I boil it all down, at the end of the day, those are, are literally my preferences. And that when I slip into that I know the truth and I know what's right or wrong, then that becomes a really degrading perspective inside of the context called parenting. But I can take those same ideas. I can go into my own personal goals. Like my biggest breakdowns tend to be around how much time is going by. Is this happening faster? Am I spending my time wisely? Is someone stealing my time? Did I get to do what I wanted to do with my time? And again, as I, as I pull that apart from a uh, enlightened, sort of enlightened perspectives and understanding the infinite nature that I, the infinite being that I believe that I am, what I find underneath all of that is that when I indulge my opinion and I forget that these are my preferences, I connect into a seriousness and like a positionality that degrades my experience And so I would say that, so it's with goals, it's with time, it's with kids, the underpinning of all of that, and this is something you taught me years ago that really was a game changer, Matthew. It was to release the opinion or the positionality, Kristen, and honor that you just have a preference. And that paradigm has made an enormous difference in my life and my day-to-day experience as I'm juggling all these plates and, and wearing all the hats that I wear
0: and it's and it's still not easy. and no. uh, and I think that you know the thing that I want to communicate to our spiritual hooligan friend who's watching this right now is that being an enlightened being in traditional society is actually more difficult than being an enlightened being up in the mountains, living in a cave by yourself. It's much easier to be by yourself and not be disturbed. What I have dedicated my life to is assisting all of us who are dedicated to living full, rich lives in society, but doing it in a way that is optimal. So there's a lot of stuff that I would ask you to opt out of. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff that I would say you can 100% still be married, still have kids, still have a job, still be uh, excited about making money and, and, uh, and doing what you want to do, travel. You, all of that is still available to you in the enlightened state. There's no need to renunciate and run away from all of it. In the end, whatever you run away from, you, st- you bring yourself with you. So you'll bring your own trash with you, and then you'll dump it in your cave. So I think that the important thing here that Kristen is illustrating is that each of us is faced with all kinds of challenges, and you can apply an enlightened framework to those challenges. Get some distance, like what, er- what Eric said, like get some distance to be able to look at it in a, in a different way so that you can continue to move forward. If you're new to the rapid enlightenment process, an enlightened perspective is a perspective that has two qualities to it. So the first quality is uh, as an interesting one, maybe one that you've never even heard of or considered. And it's a, uh, an enlightened perspective causes your physical body to go strong when you muscle test it. So basically, uh, an enlightened perspective strengthens you, which is pretty awesome all by itself. But the second part of an enlightened perspective is that it implies that all is well. And that's the foundation for having peace of mind. Implying that all is well is the foundation for having peace of mind. Now, Eric, and the mastermind, we spend ridiculous amounts of time recontextualizing things into enlightened perspectives, right? And so uh, the, the, the rapid alignment process has four components. It's seeing the drunk monkeys, seeing the, the hidden motives. That's the awareness piece. Then the active part is adopting enlightened perspectives and recontextualizing anything that isn't an enlightened perspective. Like Those four things will create such ridiculous peace in your life. But this enlightened perspective thing, man, oh, man, it's a skill. And there are enlightened perspectives that produce courageous acts in a very effortless way. Can you, Eric, and then we'll go over to Amber and then Kristen, Eric, can you share, like, what are the enlightened perspectives for you that invoke
2: your courage? The one perspective that I keep coming back to a lot lately, and it's a great time to keep coming back to it is... The idea that everything is going my way, even when it doesn't appear to be. And when I uh, remind myself of that intention and I choose to take that perspective, I realize that uh, it's an empowering perspective because anything that I experience in the world, positive or negative, if I allow it, it's working on my behalf. And even if that isn't actually true, but I believe it's true, my life basically takes on the shape as though it's true because I am, I am assuming that everything that's coming my way is working for me if I will allow it. And if it's not working for me, it's, it's on me. It's not anything around me. It's always on me and I have the choice. And when I realize that, I realize I can thrive in any situation. It's, it's about whether or not I realize that it is my own consciousness and how I'm relating to the chaos and the things that seem to be working against me. It's how I relate to them that decides whether or not It's working for me or against me. It has nothing to do with anything outside of me. It's always how I relate to what's happening around me. And so this idea of everything is working for me, even when it doesn't appear, it just allows me to sink back into that center, that quiet place. Ah, Yes. And thankfully, um Uh, You've taught us, uh, this is, I'm going into my third year in the mastermind. You've taught us um, some interesting uh, uh, techniques and approaches to being able to sink back into that quiet mind, reestablish that quiet mind. And again, I, I like that metaphor of the surfer. When those waves are coming at you, they can either barrel over you or you can work with them. And actually turn them into works of art. I love watching people surf in YouTube videos. I love and I don't surf. I've never surfed. But I love just watching it because they're basically teaching us how to work with the uh, the energy of life that's always co- seems to be coming at us, right? Um and allows us to work with it and realize it's our perception that's deciding whether or not it's working for us or against us.
0: It's a beautiful thing. And I too share that exact same uh, uh, fascination with watching surfing. And uh, I, I probably watch at least two or three surfing videos every single day. And, and, I, and my fascination is similar. It's that um, life is coming anyway. So the question is, what are you going to do with what gets served up? And it's so uh, metaphorically uh, there for me when I watch it, when I watch surfers do that. So it's always going my way, even when it's not. That's an enlightened perspective. It it implies, it assumes that all is well. Let's go over to Amber. Amber, what are the enlightened perspectives that you have adopted to ramp up your courage and your risk-taking?
3: Well, I'll just echo what both of you guys just said, which is the all is well perspective. It's all going my way, even when it's not, because again, it's really just all my perspective, because many of the things that have gone on this year have all been for my good. Like, for example, the coronavirus, like a lot of a lot of the people that we know and that we've been around have been like, this has been the worst year of our whole lives. Ah. And it really, for us, it's been one of the best opportunities for us to grow and to learn and to spend time with each other and our businesses have grown. Um, and having the perspective of all as well, even when it's not, is so um, prevalent in our life right now. Again, we could have totally looked at it in a different way, but we didn't because we've been practicing the enlightened perspectives so heavily for this last year. So again there was a funny quote. I listened to a video the other day said, uh, Kristen had sent it. Um, it was on crypto it was on, uh, a financial thing. And the, the guy talked about a quote from Mike Tyson that said, uh, everybody has a plan to get punched in the face. Right? So you can look at the punch in the face in a couple different ways in my, from my, in my perspective. Now it's like, ah, the punch in the face. Yes. I got punched in the face. Now I know how to get back up and I can, I can really recontextualize the whole thing. So, um it, it, this is really uh, uh, again, I I, I don't want to be a sales guy and be like this is so life-changing, this is amazing, but it's been
2: <laughs> our lives
3: even though we have gotten punched in the face a few times. So,
0: yep, that was uh that was my client Ross uh. Stevens who was uh, <laughs> being interviewed by Michael Sailor on uh on the um uh corporate treasuries, uh, you know, now investing in, in Bitcoin. Uh, But this, and he was quoting, um, he was quoting, uh, uh, who's the boxer? Yeah, Mike Tyson. (laughs) Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Eric, what were you going to say? I I was just
2: going to say, you know, it goes back to something you said earlier that you don't, um, you know, traditionally when it comes to uh, living an enlightened lifestyle, uh, traditionally, it means retreating from the world. Uh, and what's been really interesting, and I think life cha- changing for me over the past three years is, or two years, is uh, I don't necessarily have to retreat from the world. I can, I can actually bring that monastery with me wherever I go, okay. and I'm finding ultimately. Uh, in my in my humble opinion, it feels like I'm living and expressing at higher levels of consciousness in the midst of the chaos. You know, um, I like to retreat, but I don't have to. Um, I don't absolutely have to.
0: And, and it's OK to retreat. Yeah, it's OK. Especially um, most most of us who uh, are intrigued by these kinds of ideas, we are Sensitive. We're just we just have a nervous system that seems to be um, optimized differently than than other people, and stuff really impacts us. And it's okay to pull back from life and regroup and get into a strong place and then come forward again. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to constantly put yourself into the face punching uh, and it, in order to live a great life. It's just, that's just not the way it works. Let's go over to Kristen. What about you, what, what, is, what is the enlightened perspective that you use to amp up your courage to get you out of the, out of retreat and get you into engaging life again?
1: Well, there's more than just one, but I'll tell you the one that I rely on a lot. And, and that is that, uh, destruction and creation are just two parts different. I'll say it this way, different way, different aspects of the timeline, And that's really relevant for me as an artist, as a creative person, that whether I'm working in the financial space or my own creativity or our business or being a parent, you know, these are inherently creative processes for me. And what I used to do was I used my own survival uh, modality of hatred to move the action forward in my life.
0: Can you explain so would, that? Because yeah. uh, you know, you and I always talk about like we really wish that the hidden motive hatred didn't have the label hatred because people think of it funny, but it really just means um like intense yeah. dislike, right? That's what hatred is like. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I used to use that technique to like like move the action forward. I don't want this. I don't like that. I wish this was different. And and in what I have discovered is that that opposing energy was really degrading. And, and in its essence, what I was saying is, I don't like destruction, which is, when I step back, illogical. Because even as an artist, I have to destroy the white canvas to create the painting, and so when I, when I started adopting this perspective of the power of destruction in the creative process, and again, as you articulated, it's just, these are just two different parts of a timeline. Suddenly I am incredibly empowered and, and so much so that I love destruction because I recognize from a systems planning operational perspective, because I have that part of my personality Oh my God. Like when stuff starts falling apart and not working or I destroy it, it's, it's the, bur- it's yeah. Whoop, whoop It's the beginning of the creative process. And I mean that from, you know, our 12 year old who's becoming 13 and there's a bunch of stuff that worked at 12. That's not going to work at 13 to, you know, you can see I'm in one location and Matthew's in another, and we're in this exploration about sort of destroying our status quo, how we live and co co operate as a couple um amber talked about it like the destruction of the last year with a pandemic oh my gosh with the perspective that this is the prelude to incredible birth and creativity and new things i have literally embraced that everything's breaking, nothing's going to work, everything's on the table, we get to evaluate it all. And my creative nature now has this amazing place to express because I've adopted the the enlightened perspective that destruction and creation are just two different parts of the timeline. And I got to tell you, the freedom, like in every facet of my life, the freedom that I get when I align with that idea and I stop resisting destruction and I embrace it is it's just the ca- it's just it's nay is mind blowing, but it's the the catalyst for how I get stuff done.
0: It, it it is incredible when you admit that to create is to rearrange what is already there. To rearrange stuff means you have to destroy it in the in the place that it is to rearrange it. You have to mess it up. In order for it to become the new thing, and it doesn't mean that you uh, experience the negativity of that. It means that the negativity itself gets transformed. Like you look at the negativity of the destruction, and you and you start to go like, "Ooh, this is really interesting," and and rather than being at the effect of victim, and then using anger to manipulate, instead, you surrender to it. And the moment you surrender and accept it exactly as it is, now you can direct it. Because what you resist will persist, and what you accept will transform. So acceptance becomes your your key tool in the process of transforming your life, accepting the situation as it is. Now, that is the exact opposite of how most of us get stuff done. It's like what Kristen was talking about. Most of us beat things into the ground to try and make it what we want. And it turns out that if you do the exact opposite, if you honor it, appreciate it, understand it, and accept it, the speed at which it turns into what you want is enhanced. And when you beat it into the ground, which is the normal way to do things, The the slowness of it exhausts you. It takes two, three, four, five times as much energy. But it takes a lot of courage to honor this shitty thing that's happening. It's like, I really don't like that. It really feels like it sucks. And then to spend the time to step back and identify what are the motives for me resisting this? Why am I contextualizing it that way? What am I actually trying to accomplish? And it turns out somehow I think that my resistance and my negativity towards the situation will give me an opportunity to survive longer and get more of what I want. Like uh, I'll get more resources, more life, more, more stuff for me. And yet, when I pull it all apart, I realize, oh, wow, in my resistance to this, I miss that it is actually for my own good. That it will turn into these other four or five things that are what exactly what I've been wanting in the first place. Now, I'll get there, but I'll be miserable the entire time until it turns into what I want. And then I'll be happy. So it's like miserable, 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 oh shit, it worked. Versus you'd be like, oh, miserable. Ah, ooh, I don't like that thing. And then you like go through the process of total and complete acceptance and you surrender to it, use enlightened perspectives. You figure out your motives, you get yourself into a good place. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay. And you kind of go with, right, and you're learning how to be in the destruction and in the negativity and in the cesspool, but you're letting it go. You're being at peace. And all of a sudden, boom, it turns into what you want. So rather than miserable, most of the time with tiny little moments of happiness because it turned out the way that you want, it's you eventually start to be like stoked and happy through the whole process as you learn the skill. Amber, Kristen or Eric, you want to comment on that idea,
3: I will I'll comment on that idea because I feel like I just lived this this last year because I, I remember having a conversation with Kristen at the beginning of the year. Um, one of my intentions for the year was full health and vitality. And I was very sick when I started in the group I had been um, dealing with some illness for quite some time. Um, and Kristen was like, you just gotta surrender to it. And I was like, yeah, right. How am I supposed to do that? And again, this is a skill and a practice that is learned that I was able to learn over this last year. And it's basically, and I wish someone had told me this a long time ago, but I'm so grateful for it now is that I now know that it, it's not always easy, but it's worth it. Like, again, I'm going to have some periods in my life that don't feel easier or that are uncomfortable, but if I can just be okay with that. And again, the word surrender was like, Oh, kind of crunchy for me. If I was able to go, okay, what does that mean to surrender to it? Like really question myself and go inside and understand what that meant, and that means accepting. And regardless of whatever it happens, I'm going to feel okay right now about it, and I'm just going to make that decision to do it. So, I'm not sure if that that was yeah, segue no, into no. that,
1: but no, it's, really? I'm I yeah really? I'm going to echo exactly what you just said, which is it is a choice. I had something happen uh, last week that on on balance i would have every quote unquote right in the world to feel betrayed pissed off angry this is not what i wanted this 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 thing does not fit in my world like and and i gotta tell you i spent a little time thinking about how mad i was gonna be for how long like (laughs) i really wanted to indulge the like i've been violated and this isn't like i'm not okay with this and and again, I don't want to gloss over this isn't like I didn't get like I didn't like the, the meal that got delivered at the restaurant. This is like life stuff. This is like big stuff. And to echo what you said, Amber, I, I literally using the skill set. And again, this is what I want to convey. Like this isn't just like always instantaneous. Sometimes it takes a few minutes to step back and go, hang on. Or a day. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be like six weeks. So <laughs> <you know. laughs> yeah. 10 years, or 10 years, or ten years, right. Like lose yep. a decade of your life. I, I think that what I've discovered and, and again, to parrot what, what Amber is sharing is that it's a choice and it, it takes awareness and it takes pulling apart the automatic survival-based response that I used to use to relate with what was happening or coming at me, as Eric said, the wave that's coming at me and instead choose to respond in a way that while i may not have the answer and i may not know the outcome i trust that where this is headed is going to work to my favor even if i can't see it right now and the only person that delays that dynamic unfolding is my anger and my resistance and my declaration that this is not all right but when i trust the process and i know that destruction is the precursor to creation. I actually embrace the breakdown. I embrace the bitch slap. I embrace that I just got nailed with this thing. And I get myself together and then I start looking for, all right, well, this thing just got blown up. What am I gonna create next? it's been that set of dynamics that has really been the game changer. And frankly, if I'm being honest, is the thing that allows me to wear so many hats and do so many things because I don't waste my time in resistance and this isn't right and I'm, wrong, I'm right and they're wrong and I just got screwed and I can't believe yeah. it. And that doesn't mean I don't stand up for myself. I stand up for myself. But it also means that I'm not going to indulge the survival part of my mind and my personality, the, the, that which is left. There's not a lot of it left, but I'm not going to indulge it because it so negatively impacts my experience and my capacity to move forward in an effective and productive way. Those are my thoughts. And I, you know, to me, that's like the dream scenario, right? To spend less time in that and more time in creation and and enjoying myself and doing the shit I want to do.
2: Hallelujah. Eric, what about you? Well, having uh, the capacity to access a quiet mind, it's essential because it allows me to become aware of when I'm resisting, when that automatic resistance pattern is coming up. I I like to go back to this metaphor of the way of of the surfer and the wave, because the uh, great surfers, um, they're not resisting the wave. uh, There's an awareness there. There's an excitement. um, There's a sense of moving with the wave. And in order to do that before I can do that, I've got to be aware of where I'm resisting it. And then it's just a matter and that's what surrender is. It's actually surrendering your resistance, right? Well, I, what I found then is now when I do when that happens, now I can redirect the energy of the wave or how I work with the energy of the wave so that it the, now I'm riding the wave. Now all of a sudden I'm saying, "Oh shoot, you know, even when I feel like Uh, Because I can be very critical of my own work. Um, So what happens is uh, that critical nature of having to have everything be just right and be just perfect. uh, Say if I release a new product or I make an an upgrade with the technology, uh, it ends up ruling me because I have this resistance around the way things are. But when I relax and I say, this is just where we are in the creative process, all of a sudden, boom, the things that I thought weren't perfect, they become doorways to make this new breakthrough. Um, And again, it's just about being aware of your own resistance and then knowing how to just release it, just let go. Um, And when you can do that, now you have the choice to redirect the energy of the wave that's coming at you so that now it's working with you. You're working with it, it's working with you and you're in flow. And when you're in flow, things just happen. Truly.
0: I'm gonna to go to our questions. So we have uh, Florence to start. I'm looking, I have to look with this part of my glasses here because it's so small. Um, I understand- Old guy what, problems. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Let me move it down in the- There okay, you go. See. Hey, there we go. But now still super small. I understand what Kristen says. However, the all is well state is so difficult with the drunk monkey. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy, is that uh, is that the truth? And and what I would say about that, Florence, is that the drunk monkey is an expression of the hidden motives, And if you listen to what Kristen and Eric and Amber have been talking about the whole time, they've actually been pointing to distinguishing the motivation behind why they're perceiving or thinking about things in the way that they are. And it turns out that that's the way you get your mind to go quiet. You get your mind to go quiet by distinguishing your motivation. Because the moment you distinguish, that your motivation is, one, to be right. And then why be right? Oh, because if I am arrogant and pompous and right, I will gain more support. I will get people on my side. Then I won't be a victim. Then I'll be able to, to manipulate people to do what I want, which basically just means I'm going to get more resources or I'm going I'm to gather stuff up, which gives me a greater advantage. Like the moment you start to distinguish that, you're like, well, wait a second. Why would I spend all this energy doing that? Why don't I instead ask for what I want? Or why don't I give that up and see what else appears? So the drunk monkey appears. And we we talk about in Quiet Mind, Epic Life, shameless book plug. We talk about in Quiet Mind, Epic Life, the the, um, unconscious reflexes of the drunk monkey. And you'll hear me talk about in that book that The the drunk monkey isn't the thing to uh, quiet down. The thing to do is to remove the reason for the drunk monkey to talk in the first place. And that is distinguishing the hidden motives and accepting that. So, Kristen, uh, can you please repeat what Matthew taught you a few years ago uh, and elaborate Uh, and, and touch on that. I have no idea what, what we're talking about there, Martin. I apologize. Kristen, do you remember?
1: Yeah, I do. Okay, Good Good one. Yeah. And then I'll give you like the mastery level. So what I had shared Martin is uh, this idea of distinguishing uh, opinions versus preferences. And that when I reconnect into my opinion about how things should be like, it's right, or it's the truth, or that I know uh, I am degraded. I'm, I take a position and then I lobby for my position. The thing that Matthew taught me and I've really taken on in a big way is this idea of having a preference. And then you get to decide, am I going to fight for my preference or not? Or am I just going to recognize, like, I would prefer for things to be like this, but I acknowledge and I appreciate that they're not versus I think it has to be. There's a very, they're, 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 they're very different contextual frameworks. That said... The real mastery piece that I didn't mention that I started taking on uh, several years ago is this idea of neutrality. So if you can go from having an opinion to stepping into a preference, and then when you go from preference to neutrality, everything changes. I have found that neutrality is the keys to the kingdom, if you will, that my flexibility my options my creativity my capacity to move through the world and experience things how i want to experience them is is enhanced by my level of neutrality but it really starts with giving up our opinions understanding i don't know anything like i just have my own glasses my own world view and while opinions are interesting, they don't necessarily have a lot of value or merit. So then I move into my preferences, and I got a lot of those. I got a preference about everything. So when I real then the next ultimate step on my quiet mind journey and my capacity to like create and get stuff done and live and effective like I'm up to stuff right. Neutrality is the thing that really is the rocket fuel for uh, accomplishment. And, and dealing with volatility and chaos. Neutrality is like, yay, go neutrality. So I hope that answers your question, uh, but I wanted to give you that extra piece that I hadn't mentioned earlier, because neutrality is really, a, it's a delicious thing to play around with for sure.
0: And, and it allows you to be authentically for something, which is different than what most people experience. Most people are, are for something, But when you dig in, what you find is actually they're against these other things. So they're against this. And the expression, because they're positive, is that they're for that. But then they keep getting the crappy thing that they're against over and over and over it keeps coming and hitting them which then makes them go but I'm for this positive thing and positivity and we all deserve it and we should have right and they keep jumping up and down but what they don't know is that there's actually an opposing intention going on And this is in the advanced uh, rapid enlightenment process, which we haven't written a book on for you yet, but someday we will. In the advanced rapid enlightenment process, you begin to discern that you have opposing intentions, that that you are this, but you say that. And you keep getting what you are, and you keep hoping that you'll say it enough times that it'll change who you are. But really what there is to do is to just admit what a dirtbag you are and own that you are a seething cesspool over here. And the moment you own it and look it straight in the face, it begins to transform. Then you get to choose. And what you usually find is you don't choose the positive thing anymore. You almost always choose something neutral. It's really cool. So the last question here is how do you always feel like, it's always going my way. So if you, Eric, could, could just talk about, like, where, how, do you, how do you get back to knowing that it's always going my way? How do you do that?
2: Enlightened perspectives and uh, 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 so some of the advanced muscle testing that I've learned, uh, you know, through you and, and, and the, uh, the others in the mastermind who are into muscle testing, it's, as you say, it's not required. Uh, But what it has given me the ability to do, first of all, is that quiet mind becomes, um, it becomes basically my ability to step back from whatever is happening and be aware of the automatic instinctual responses that I've allowed, you know, to be expressed, it allows me to kind of just step back, get into a place of neutrality, right? Not be attached to it. Um, And then, but having the awareness of that and then being able to actually release that attachment to the way things ought to be, there are two different things, right? The, The advanced muscle testing allows me to, it's like a pattern interrupt. I'm able to say, okay, how many blocks are there to knowing all as well in this situation, right? Coming back to a peaceful heart and mind, I, I like to use the heart and mind part because we tend to associate the mind with the brain, but it's also associated with the heart. And all to me, it helps me to ground what quiet mind really is. It's, it's not just... Stillness—it's a profound sense of being at peace, and the muscle testing really allows me to uh, in, intuit my way into the the um, uh, hidden motives and instinctual responses that are at play, and kind of just do a, a like a circuit breaker—it just kind and of, of reese, turns like that circuit off. Yeah, a reset. Very good. I like that. It puts, It literally feels like in one moment, I can feel myself getting upset. I'm starting to cuss. I'm getting pissed off. I can feel it. The awareness is there. And I'm like, okay, how many blocks to coming back to all of, to knowing all is well? I go through a very simple process. takes less than a minute, and boom. I'm back. I'm back to neutrality. I'm back to resourcefulness. The easiest way I know how to put it. Jump in Kristen.
1: Well, I want to, I want to add uh, an idea for people who don't have muscle testing. Cause Eric, I know exactly the process you're talking to, and it's really effective. Let me tie Florence's question back to opinions and and preferences and neutrality. One of the things I notice is that typically our opinions have behind them a, it's not going my way. Things are wrong. This is bad. I have to figure out a solution to this. And I I think if we're going to have opinions, um, it would be really interesting to just explore the idea of the, of our opinion being things are going my way. Like just the, the simple practical nature of that, Florence. Like You might as well, right? You might as well, right? Like if you're going to have an opinion, let's use it as an opinion that is for what you're committed to, what you're interested in, what your intentions are. So, and I mean that in the face of the quote unquote bad stuff coming at you. So like this thing comes right in my face and I can have an opinion that it's bad or wrong, or I can have the opinion, Hey, this is the beginning of something really going my way, even though I can't see it yet. And so I think it's a practical matter of how we contextualize the chaos, the volatility, the, 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 the energy, or the, as Eric said, the waves that are crashing on top of us or have the potential to crash on top of us. If we're going to have an opinion, let's have an opinion that things are going our way and just start that as your practice. I will tell you, Florence, a lot of this is repetition. A lot of this is trying on these contextual frameworks putting them on like a, like a new sweater and going, does this work? Wow. What are the, what's the response I get when I wear this sweater out and just being willing to release that we know how it's supposed to go and try relating with these new perspectives and taking them for a test drive. So that's my invitation to everybody that's joined us today is take on, it's always going my way for a 30 day trust test drive. And then let's see what happens. Let's measure the results.
0: Exactly right. And I, I and listen, um, I want to wrap it up. I want to honor the, the time that we said we would do this uh, conversation. And, and I just want to say this. Uh, Kristen and I are really dedicated to giving you the tools that you need to be able to try this stuff on. And if you haven't downloaded my app, it's just my name, Matthew Ferry. Inside of there, there is a quiet mind folder. And in the quiet mind folder, there are two things that I would love for you to try out. One, there's the 23 daily practices. And those 23 daily practices are 23 different enlightened perspectives, perspectives that assume and apply that all as well. You can read them if you want, or you can watch the video or listen to the audio. We give them to you in all those different formats on the app, our gift to you. The other thing that is in there are the hidden motive meditations. And what I find is uh, right now, for example, uh, hatred appears to be like the number one hidden motive that people are turning to these days. It's like doing lines of cocaine of hatred. Just, yes, I want to be mad at everything. If you would try out the hidden motive uh, meditation for hatred, I think you'd get a lot of benefit from it, but you might also find that there's an appeal to trader or victim or uh, holding grudges or, or, or they're all in there. And that's our gift to you. We'd love for you to get in there and start utilizing those techniques. If you haven't read my book, Quiet Mind, Epic Life, a hundred percent, you read it. If this, like, if you're still here now, if we're still talking, I mean, you're into this. Okay. So if you're into it, I wrote this for you. All right. And and Kristen helped me to make this come to life for you.
1: And by so, the way, let me just yeah. jump in real quick. Um, the first six chapters are in the app. So you don't have to buy it. Just go check out the first cha- six chapters and listen to the meditations and get the 23 daily practices. We, it's all in there. Just jump in and see what see what works for you. We'd love you exactly. to take it for yeah. a ride.
0: Yeah, exactly right. So that's it. I'm going to I'm going to leave you with this idea. Enlightenment is the recognition that the source of life for you is the source of life for everyone and everything, that we're all one thing, essentially expressing itself with infinite variety. All is well. My request is that you try some of the things that we talked about today. Maybe you go on an opinion diet for 30 days. You can check out my blog. I have a whole blog post just on going on an opinion diet. It'll really help. Eric talked about releasing attachment or dealing with the worst case scenario. Both those things are also written about on the blog. Just do a search, Matthew Ferry, worst case scenario. I'll take you through the process. The game here is for you to transition from a survival state to a thriving, enlightened state. You'll still be the same person. Your life will still have all kinds of sucky things that are going on in it. It's just that you'll relate differently. You won't be reacting with survival. You will be responding with an enlightened, thriving process. So with that We thank you so much for being here and being a part of our community and all the support that you show for Kristen and I and and the other people in the Mastermind. We feel really blessed by your presence. Thank you so much. And we're looking forward to contributing to you again next week. If you aren't on our weekly uh, wrap-up email list, get on there, okay? We send out something every Saturday or Sunday for you, too, as well. See you later, everybody. Bye-bye.